We're going through the Beatitudes, um, kind of a weird word, just the attitudes that should be, the characteristics that should be in the hearts of those who have called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save us. Lord God, save us, cleanse us, change us. He says, you made you a new creation, and now we're God's kids, sons and daughters of the living God. Amazing. And as his kids, we grow up in this new world, the kingdom of God. And we begin to be changed and conformed day by day into the image of Jesus Christ as we walk by the Spirit. And the old man just kind of seems to change and there's just this new being coming. I remember when I was working in a bowling alley and the Lord just had begun working in my heart during that time. I was smoking pot and, you know, walking down the lanes and just out of my mind, basically. But uh, the Lord started working in my heart, and I started to go back to Him. Obviously, He was drawing me. And just, I remember just cussing like a sailor. Just not any sailors in here. Sorry about that. You guys, you know. (laughs) Cussing like a construction worker, let's say. Oh, sorry. Um, Let's just defend everybody. Like a Marine. No, wait. And we're just going for it, you know, every other word. It just flowed out of my heart. And obviously, you know, when you grow up, you, it's more of a social cue. I mean, you don't mean anything by it as you hang out with people, you know. They just, just you know, they're not meaning anything by it. But I just remember that one day someone walked up to me and go, man, what, what's going on with you? And like, you don't cuss anymore. I'm like, I don't. It just had changed from the inside out. As I had been hanging around with Jesus... As my life had begun to uh, conform to Him, it just certain things started wearing off, and I began to change from the inside out. It was beautiful, and it is beautiful. And then I find those areas of my lives where, where it's not like that, that I have to consciously choose to crucify my passions and my desires and follow Christ. I have this battle going on. And so this life by the Spirit, following Him with all of our hearts, and, and, and these attitudes that are to be developed in the lives of the believers. And He goes through ten of them here, or, or several of them, in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 3 through uh, 12, basically. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And last week we obviously discussed that these beatitudes, these attitudes, uh, each of these verses contain three parts. First, the blessing. Blessed are. That means, oh, how happy. Yeah. Keys to happiness. How do you become happy? Oh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Wait a second. That's upside down. Yeah, in God's economy, things usually are upside down to what we want. But if you want to be happy in God's kingdom, we see that the poor in spirit are the ones who are blessed, who are given happiness by the Lord. There's a, and it's not just a temporal happiness, it's a joy that just overflows in your life. And then the, So that's the second is a characteristic of the believer. First is the blessing, the second is the characteristic, poor in spirit. It's a character trait that we should have. And thirdly, the reality of those who possess it, possess this quality. The reality is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is going to possess people who are poor in spirit. That's who populates the kingdom of heaven. Oh, how happy. 
<laughs> cool. So it's a little bit upside down. And as we discussed last, last week, oh, how happy the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven, God's eternal family will consist of those people. Poor in spirit meaning bankrupt, spiritually broken. Nothing in us, each one of us that can, can please God in ourselves. We've all fallen. We've all gone astray, as the scriptures say. Poor in spirit. Isaiah, when he's before the Lord, woe is me, for I'm undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm among people who are unclean. When he encountered God, he realized in his heart who he was. Isaiah was aware of this condition. We know that. His response, and the only acceptable response, is really, this is where it all begins. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm dirty inside. I'm broken. God, I'm not right. Please forgive me. I'm lost by your, unless you have mercy upon me. We know that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's upside down, isn't it? We kind of like the people who are self-confident, go-getters, you know, you know, the ones who tear it up. Oh, I could do this by myself. Don't need anyone. God says he resists the self-sufficient, the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God rejects those characteristics, but those who are poor in spirit, come on in. Out of the reality of this state, our, our spirits before God, out of you know, knowing that we're poor in spirit, we're broken, should come a deep mourning over our sin. A deep mourning. And many of you experience this when you come to the Lord. And there's areas in your life that the Lord's been working on and finally you're in His presence. After it finds out in, in worship, and we're just worshiping, and, and the Lord's Spirit's there. And He starts to minister, and all of a sudden my sin pops in there. And the Holy Spirit's just sometimes just going, hey, let's get this out of the way. Let's deal with this. And He does this work in our hearts to bring conviction and it breaks us inside, and we're going, oh man, I messed up, Lord, and you start mourning over it, not because you got caught. That's worldly sorrow that leads to death because it doesn't produce repentance, which leads to salvation. He wants to have godly sorrow in our, hearts, our lives, a, a sorrow that goes, man, I've, I've blown it before you, Lord. This is who I am. I'm wrong, but by your grace, by your power, I will obey you, I will follow you, I'll choose to turn from this and start to do the right thing. And that's a beautiful thing. That's what he's looking for. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In his presence we mourn over our sin. And you remember the story about uh, the lady and um, uh, the lady who poured out um, or basically, you cry. She was going to. She was a prostitute, and she came into a Pharisee's house, who's who's holding dinner for Jesus. And she walked in, and she just she lost it. She started weeping and crying at the feet of Jesus, and her tears came down. And she and she wet his feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. In fact, no doubt his feet were probably dirty from walking on the road. The road, but this this total poverty of spirit. And her lifestyle before the Lord was just, he just broke. She broke. There's this mourning over her sin, over the life that she was leading that was just contrary to what God had for her. Now, obviously, that's an extreme example. But it says that, she, you know, those who mourn shall be comforted. 
And that's the precious thing. I love that about the Lord. Oh, how happy are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, the word Holy Spirit in the Greek in the New Testament means parakletos, right? The comforter. Last week, uh, some of you decided, I don't want to get a paraclete. And they went, you know, wanted to go get a parakeet. No, no. Or paracletes. Thank you very much. That's not going to work. Cats are so silly. But his very name means comforter. I love that about the Holy Spirit. That's one of the ministries that he has with us. You know, spending time in his presence, letting the Lord bring up these areas in your life, talking with about them, confessing them, this, this dialogue, this relationship with the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit lift you up. Let him fill you. Let him comfort your soul. You know, I just think of how often we try to find comfort in our lives through every other method except through, the, through him, coming before him and experiencing his goodness. Just sitting, praising him. These are things that are contrary to our, our flesh. We don't want to sing to God because therefore that makes us subject to him in a way. It, it kills our pride, you know what I mean? But when you break out and you sing a horrible chorus before him, oh, there's something that can happen in your soul. It's sweet. Let him, let him minister to you. Break before him. Let him seek you. And you know what I find? When I'm really hard towards the Lord, I just feel like resisting him. I don't want to do anything spiritual, that stuff. I start to go do those things. Because I know that, uh, you know, I'll start to turn off the talk radio or whatever it is I'm listening to, and I start putting on praise music. I start hanging around Christians. I start, because I know I'm, I'm headed down a path that's not good. I'm not in connection. I'm not having that relationship. I'm not being convicted over sin. I'm, I'm kind of just hard-hearted and different, and I start treating people poorly. It's like, what's going on? There's just this lack of brokenness in my life. There's a lack of humility. There's a lack of relationship. There's a lack of realization that He is God, and He's forgiven me. And, and because He's forgiven me, that's how I treat others. And so that relationship, when it becomes broken, it spreads to others. And, and so I encourage you this morning, do the things that you do not want to do to maintain your relationship with the Lord. Turn it off. Start popping on, you know, positive radio, whatever you have to do. Just start singing the silly songs. You know, start opening the scriptures, reading through them, the disciplines. You know what works with you in your relationship with the Lord. Meet Him there. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meek does not mean weak, right? It's really difficult. It means authority under control. And it's often translated gentleness or mildness. It's, it's just a hard word to translate into English. But uh, this flows out of the previous characters we talked about. We're poor in spirit, which leads to a mourning over sin, which leads to meekness, gentleness, a brokenness. There isn't a haughtiness. Abraham displayed meekness when dealing with his nephew Lot. There came to a place when they needed to part ways. Remember that? They had, Lot had followed him wherever he went, and they both had people who were working for him and all this stuff. They had cattle and all this stuff, and they started to butt heads. Things got too big. So Abraham and Lot talked it out and said, listen, Abraham had authority. He could have said, hey, Lot, get lost. Lot, I'm going here to the good land. You can do whatever you want. But he didn't. He gave him the choice. 
didn't need to lord it over him. He, he, was, he was humble in heart. He was gentle with him. Gentle implies that you have the ability to be harsher than you are. Jesus was gentle with us. Does that mean Jesus was weak and meek? I mean, weakness, you know what I mean? He's, was he, a, was he a, uh, gosh, a wimp, you know? No, he was head on with some of those guys. Hey, you brood of viper. Jeez, Jesus. You know what I mean? He was hardcore. He took people head on. He wasn't wishy-washy. You know, when it came to the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and, and, and things that were wrong, but people that were broken, man, quick to be merciful and gentle with them, realizing where they were in their state. Oh, we need to be meek. I think, you know, again, it's hard to translate it into English, but I think the idea of meek, you can just put a hyphen between the, the two E's and meek. It's like me ek. You know, remember that. You know, it's like me ek. Okay, that's my place. Be gentle with others. I, I have had the potential to destroy. Let's be like our Father in heaven who is patient. I'm not in charge. I'm not my own. I'm his. I'm his. The authority I do have is to reflect the heart of God. And what is his heart? To be merciful, long-suffering, patient, abounding in love. Boy, when they look at us, that's, that's the kind of heart that should be reflected. Man, that person is meek. Lord, let it happen. Not self-serving. Oh, how happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What, do, what does everybody hunger and thirst for? Look around you. Just, just call it out. What do we hunger and thirst for as people? Look around. God. Uh, okay, God, that's a good thing. Anybody else? Cars. We hunger and thirst for cars, don't we? What kind of cars? What was that? Nice cars. Preferably with the Hemi, right? <laughs> or whatever, yeah. Fame. Hunger for love. Yeah. Love is an interesting word. Praise. Yeah, we want adoration, attaboys. What else do we, what was that? Money. She wants money. I'm just playing with you. Just my allowance. <laughs> acceptance, totally acceptance. We hunger for these things. Power, position, authority, recognition, fame. Physical things that are, are you know what I mean? So those are the things that this world, they seek after. Control. I want control. I want to control my destiny. I want to control you. Amen? Yeah, that's, that's the nature of man when you kind of put it down to it. Of course, there's good things mixed in there that we try to do. But fallen people, by nature, we hunger after a lot of these things. The natural things that the Lord gives us, we kind of just have been bent. They're broken. We're all prone to self-satisfy, to live for me. Look at King Solomon. Remember King Solomon in the Bible? That guy rocked, man. He was out of his mind with wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, you, you see that he pursued all the lusts of life, everything you could ever imagine. That guy was the architect above architects. 
That guy had more horses than he had armies. He had women and concubines upon concubines. He had every pursuit you could ever think of. He did it. And he was all at, the, at, at his fingertips. Whatever he wanted could happen. I mean, the, the life and the pursuits that we all desire for on a very simple level, we don't see the end of them. But God's given us this, this example of this wise man who has actually achieved the end of all these things. Solomon, and he's sitting there and, he, and he's the wisest man to walk the face of the earth apart from Christ. And he, we look at him. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, his, his documentation of his, es, of his escapades, he says this, Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity, vanity, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. It's all just pointless. The guy who did it all, the very pursuits that you're after today, he, he, he achieved them and then some. And he gets to the end and you think there's satisfaction in them and guess what? He cries out, vanity. There's nothing there. It's all lost. It's just meaningless. And he concludes this by saying in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14, he says, now, All has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's very interesting. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. What are your pursuits this morning? What are you pursuing? What do you long for if I just had this? What are you preoccupied with? What are you seeking to satisfy your soul? What are you hungering and thirsting after? If I just had this, then this would be all right. Jesus met a Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired, hmm, as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town, into the town to buy a hamburger. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. One of those cultural problems. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his sons' livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to come... Keep coming here to draw the water. 
And he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is true, she said. This woman was thirsty. She was trying to satisfy her life with relationships. Men are not going to satisfy you, ladies. Men, ladies are not going to satisfy you. It's not going to be a satisfaction in itself. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, Jesus said. The things we substitute for living water. The things we substitute for living water. Things that cannot and will not satisfy you. Seek the Lord and live to please Him. And then as He wills, this is the cool thing, and then as He wills, other things will be a blessing in our lives and not a curse. Relationships in the Lord are a blessing. Given from the Lord, they're awesome. Marriage is sweet. Kids are awesome. Money, physical relationships, husband and wives, good things in their context, flowing out of that relationship from the Lord, a blessing put before the Lord, a curse. An idol, many ways. Money, is it the means to an end? Is it your pursuit to have more of it, to get more stuff? So what? All you have to do is play one of those little video games, like the building ones where you just build a civilization, and then you get the end of it, you're like, I'm bored with this. Well, that's what's going to happen when you have all that money. You have to worry about having, you know, how are you going to protect it all? Buy gold. Okay, just flip ahead to Revelation in a couple weeks. How much does a loaf of bread cost? Bag of gold. So yeah, sure, buy gold. You know, money for the believer is a tool in our hands for blessing. Isn't it? It's like, it's not the object of life. Yes, we desire to have some things and cool, but when you have it in your hand, man, you can, you, and you have the Lord's heart, and you're in that relationship with the Lord, you, you look and you go, who can I bless? How can this be used by you, Lord? And you see someone and you meet their needs. You look around and you see it and you meet it. And you become a blessing and you let it flow through your life. Some of us are just after the pursuit, so we wonder why we don't have. Tear us apart. Maybe the Lord's saving us from something. You see, those things cannot be the number one in our lives. It has to be Him. Lord, I thirst for you. I was thinking about that as I was going over this. this Lord, I thirst for you. Fill me with your spirit that I may live to please you. And any blessing you decide to add to my life, I'm thankful for. And then I was thinking, but riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. Be thou my vision. There's a lot of empty people out there. And don't be fooled, there's a lot of empty people in here. Being a pastor for you guys for a while, 
I just see brokenness. I see sheep. I see families hurting. I see sin. I see just a lot of sad things. And that's not a judgment. It's just an observation in my own life. That's why I talk about these things is because the Lord's dealing with, with me. I'm not all together. Have a candid conversation with Christine. Actually, don't. <laughs> I refuse that. <laughs> Off limits. But there's a lot of hungry and thirsty people filling themselves filling ourselves with water that cannot satisfy. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as hens gather her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. But oh, how happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Seek first the kingdom, church, and his righteousness, and you will be filled. He desires that your soul would be satisfied. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along paths, on the right paths, righteousness paths, for his name's sake. You can't do this apart from that. You can't, we can't have this righteousness, this hunger and thirst and righteousness. We can't attain it on our own. We have to go to the shepherd. We have to go to the Lord and let him lead us into these things. Let him lead us to a place where we sit down by still waters. Let him lead us to where he restores our soul, where he leads us in paths of righteousness instead of trying to get our own sustenance, our own water, our own shelter, our own... Go to the Lord. Have that living relationship, that life by the Spirit. Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. That hunger and thirst after Him, after righteousness, after His ways. What does the Lord want to fill us with? What is going to satisfy our souls? The only thing that can, himself. He wants to fill us with him. The Holy Spirit, the living water. He talks about be being filled. Yes, we're born again. We receive the Holy Spirit when we're born again, but he just wants that continual relationship. He wants to constantly be filling us that living water that just builds up in your life and overflows into the world around us. How are we to reach people with Christ if we've got torrents of a puddle in our souls? 
And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're enabled to live the life that we are called to live, that everyday supernatural life that Jesus Christ has called you to. It's exciting. And we begin to express the heart of God and the world around us. We hunger and thirst after him, and he fills us with him, and that overflows into the world around us. And we begin to reflect what he wants us to be to the world around us. It just naturally happens. We begin to reflect our Father in his image, kind of restored, you know? Verse 7, what are those things that he wants us to be like? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. As children of the king were to reflect his values, his heart to the world is what? He desires mercy. That is one of the characteristics of God that I absolutely just am so thankful for. He's a merciful God. He desires to be merciful. Now, grace and mercy, obviously these are very simplified definitions, but grace and mercy kind of gets kind of twisted a little bit. Grace, getting what you don't deserve. You haven't deserved it, he gives it to you. Thank you, Lord. Mercy, not getting what you do deserve. Ha, thank you, Lord. Right? He desires to be merciful. And we are to be merciful, he says. All right, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I want to be shown mercy, correct? Well, the kingdom of heaven is going to populate people who are merciful. That's great. I need merciful people in my life because I blow it. How many of you have I offended? Raise your hands. No. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. I need mercy. Please. I want to be a merciful person. Please. <laughs> so we are to be merciful. Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, we're going to close with this, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began to settle them, a man owed 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. That is that. Whoa. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. Be merciful with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. And he be, uh, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called him the servant. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servants just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. As those who have been shown mercy, be merciful. We're to be merciful. Period. (laughs) And then blessed are the pure in heart. We'll have to get there next week. I'm sorry, I will get through this eventually. 
Father, so much to learn and so much to change. And apart from abiding in you, it just doesn't happen. We couldn't take care of our own condition before you on our own. What makes us think that we can live this life apart from you? Apart from your grace. Apart from the power of your spirit filling us. So Lord, let us be like your son, Jesus. Continue to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ. For some of us in here, Lord, we just need to abide. We all need to abide. But some of us in here just just need to begin to, to listen to your spirit and to walk with you. To lay down those things. And some of us just need to purposefully um, choose in our hearts to stop what we're doing, to turn towards you, to start doing the right thing as you've laid out here. Help us to be merciful, Father. Help us to forgive one another. Pray if there's any broken relationships in this room. Lord, Lord, that you would help us to see the relationship in light of that. Bless your people this morning, God. Fill them with the knowledge of your truth and with the love that you have for us. Let's go and love one another. Forgive us and empower us. Fill us with that joy and the happiness that you have for your kids. In the name of Jesus, amen.